welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you are planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today we'll share about our favorite, slightly forgotten national parks, and I'll quiz Cole on the most Instagrammed spots around the U.S. Happy listening! So what's up, Cole? Oh, I don't know. It's just uh, winding down my semester, actually, getting ready for finals again, which is a weird feeling. Nobody cares. I'm going to Mexico on Saturday. <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> thanks. So what's up with you, Elizabeth? <laughs> just kidding. School is way more important. We should talk about that. No. What are you doing in Mexico? <laughs> I'm going to third wheel with my parents on a trip to Puerto Vallarta starting on Saturday. Super excited. It's going to be awesome, and I'm just about over my sickness, so that's an added bonus. So instead of staying here in solidarity with me as I (laughs) slave away to study and take my finals, you're going... I'll be with you in spirit. Yeah. In espirito. (laughs) And not only that... Is that close to the Spanish word? Espiritu. 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 But also using our hard-earned United Airlines vouchers on a trip for one. Yeah, that's something that we didn't realize was really a thing until this year. But we have racked up the the travel vouchers. Then we have to use them by like April. Yeah, so that shouldn't be a problem. We've got nice long spring break coming up. Yeah, we're we're gonna we have a few fun trips coming up. But we won't spoil share. it. We will be sharing all about it on the blog. And I might share a couple things about Mexico, too. For so, sure. Yeah, definitely. So stay tuned for all of the fun um, West Western Hemisphere. Yeah. Western Hemisphere. <laughs> I had to make sure. Western Hemisphere trips that are coming up this uh, in the next six months or so. Yep. Got it, a bunch. Going international. International, but, but not inter-hemispherial. Exactly. Time zones. Because that's a real term. It is. I made it up just now. All right. Well, speaking of nothing. (laughs) Speaking of hemispheres. (laughs) Let's move on to our fun segment where I get to embarrass Cole on some quiz type questions. Um, Our segment called Parks in the News. Okay. So I read an article and I wanted to quiz Cole about it. And mostly because he's very Instagram inept. And um, the article was by Time. And they named, well, they didn't name it. They they uh, compiled Instagram statistics to come up with the most Instagram places of each state in the United States from 2015. So how I'm going to do this, I will read the state. And you will tell me what the most Instagram spot of 2015 was in that state with the gigantic, massive clue that it's a national park. (laughs) This is not going to be hard. Bring it on. All right, ready? Alaska. Denali. Yes, good job. Arizona. The Grand Canyon. Naturally. Uh, Maine. Acadia. Yes, this is way easier than I thought it was. Well, I mean, I didn't, I don't know. 
I was hoping maybe you would mess up a few more times. <laughs> I'm <laughs> such a cheerleader. Okay, Montana. Glacier. Yeah. South Dakota. Ooh, I feel like this is a trick question. Why? Uh, South Dakota. Because the Badlands are really cool, but I think the most Instagram place has got to be Mount Rushmore. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to trick you. It's Mount Rushmore, which is also a national park, technically. Aha, you can't trick me. Oh, gosh. You're the worst. All right, Utah. Oh, so many options in Utah, but it's, I would yeah, think, the Delicate Arch. Wrong. Oh, it's, and a, it's not Arches National Park. No, it's not. It's Zion. Yeah, that would that immediately came to mind, but I was yeah. trying to be so, too crafty. You know how I would have thought about that is that Arches is a lot of old people, and Zion <laughs> is a lot of Instagrammers, yep. <laughs> young people. <laughs> young people go to Zion, really. And, and foreign tourists, yep. Yeah. In Wyoming. Yellowstone. Yes, good job. All right. Everybody give Cole a round of applause. He got all of them right. You don't have to do that. Annoyingly. So what's our topic for today? So today we're talking about parks, national parks that live in the shadows of other parks that are overshadowed by some of their neighbors. Yeah, I love this topic because we always rooted for the underdog on our trip and so many times it paid off we were just wowed by some of these places we'd never heard of and uh, yeah yeah, so but geographically it makes sense that national parks would be coupled or grouped because if you have an amazing area an amazing landscape or collection of geographical features phenomenon it's most likely it could happen, you know, more than once in one spot. Kind of the southern Utah effect. Yeah, exactly. Of the Red where Rocks. you where you have the whole Colorado Plateau. Yeah. And there are. Oh my gosh! Know, how many fo- ranger every... programs did we go to about the Colorado Plateau? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think I'll remember that on my deathbed. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is so true how in Utah the steps of rock what did they call it where it was laid down deposition mm-hmm. the the rock deposition and the layers just kept getting higher and higher and there are parks like the grand canyon in the old rock and then zion in the newer rock and bryce canyon in the newest rock um, so yeah anyway. super, super interesting we actually wrote a post about this the national park's cutest couples you can probably Google that and switch back kids and you'll find it. Because we wrote about, um, what, it was when we visited Badlands and Wind Cave. Yeah. Which is an example of how Badlands sort of shadows Wind Cave, I think I would say, right? Most people, some a lot of people I think Definitely. go to Wind Cave maybe for a half a day. Yeah. Just for a tour really quick. Right. But Badlands overshadows Wind For Cave. sure, for sure. Yeah. So and anyway, then of course, we are the cutest couple of the national parks oh my gosh isn't that right sweetie you're so weird okay um we love first of all we love the underdog parks we love them we we have we were surprised yeah i said that already so pleasantly surprised (laughs) well i'm saying it again Okay. okay um as a middle child 
You are often, quite the middle child. Often overshadowed by my siblings who are much more successful than I am. Now that is false. That's not false. Okay. Anyway, we're going to talk about those parks that people don't think of when they think of an area. People don't think of when they think of a certain state. And it, it um, just so happens that these two parks we're going to talk about today are in two huge personality states that have that definitely have their own stuff going on. They're also um, two states that have some of the most national parks. California is one that has nine national parks and Florida has three national parks. Um, and these are probably some of the lesser known, lesser visited parks of each of those states. So we're going to start with Pinnacles National Park. Yeah, Pinnacles is located in mid-California. Maybe you've never heard of it uh, because it is the newest national park, actually, created in 2013. It was set aside as Forest Reserve in 1906. Yeah, so this park has been around a long time. Yeah, and then it was a national monument in... Uh, created by Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, with so, the Antiquities Act in 1908. Protected for a long time. And then it's kind of strange that all of a sudden, you know, I guess under the Obama administration, they Congress passed the law and Obama signed it to make Pinnacles a national park. And now it's in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Sure <laughs> is. But it still doesn't, it, most people don't know about it. It doesn't for sure enjoy the fame of some of its neighbors because it's in between San Francisco and LA and also between Big Sur and Yosemite so and Sequoia. Of, yeah, so two of these huge, you know, three, I guess, three of these huge vacation spots and destinations and I feel like people just kind of pass it up. It's also, you know, a little inland, so if you're driving on the the um, Pacific Crest Highway Pacific, 1. Yeah, Highway 1. Pacific yeah. Coast Highway. Then you kind of pass by it too, I think. Yeah. So I think that's what happens is it just gets forgotten about and a little bit. It's just not known. It's really just not known in California. Think about all the tourist attractions at your top 10 on TripAdvisor of California. You'd have Yosemite. You'd have Disneyland. Wine country. Mm-hmm. Big Sur all, is yeah, a big one. Big Sur. You'd have San Francisco, Golden Gate, you know, all of these huge places everybody across the world knows. So in a big, yeah, in a big state like this with a lot going on, it's easy to be a little forgotten. But that's why we love Pinnacles. Honestly, that's that I, th- I think that's part of why we had such a good time. Um, it's definitely not, you know, in our top 10 parks, which we talked about in our first podcast. But we we had such a pleasant experience at Pinnacles. Definitely. So it's got 206,000 visitors in 2015. Compare that with Yosemite's 4.1 million and Sequoia's 1.1 million. So not the the favorite on the block. And, you know, why is that? It's only two and a half hours from San Francisco. It's only four and a half from L.A., um, like we said, we think it maybe deserves a second look, and hopefully uh, with uh, its promotion to national park status, people will mm-hmm. start realizing that it's a pretty sweet place. And Yeah, so, it's got so time. We, it's wh- not, it got time to grow, for yeah. sure. So what did we do there? So our highlights, um, we loved the day hiking, first of all. We, we went on, what, I guess three different big days of hiking 
with over 10 miles each day probably. And I think we covered almost every single mile of trails. There's about 30, 40 miles, I think, total of trails. And I think we covered almost all of those. Um, Our favorite was called the High Peaks Trail, especially if you get the map, if you get the brochure, there's this part on there that says steep and narrow, like warning, warning, steep and narrow section. That was a fun part. That was the most fun part. Um, It was kind of like these uh, step notches that were notched into the rock for part of it and there were these uh, like iron rungs that were drilled into the rock at some that you could hold on as you traverse yeah it was not it was not too sketchy um but it was really fun yeah i loved the talus caves yeah that was definitely and it's like a cave but it's actually when a bunch of boulders fall and uh, cover a stream so you have a stream running through this canyon with a bunch of rocks over it that creates a cave-like uh, environment. And, and these boulders are so big, like yeah. they're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much a cave, yeah. <laughs> you kind of just wind around the boulders. It's dark, you need a flashlight. You're Then you drop down to the second level of boulders and maybe you're in, you know, all of a sudden you're in a big canyon room and... Then you're crossing over the creek that runs through the whole thing, and you're then you look up and you see the creek splashing down from you know in a waterfall from the the lake above, and it was just really fun to explore and run all around and just kind of squeeze through different passages. Yeah, bring your headlamps. Yeah, bring sure. your headlamps. Bring some shoes. You don't mind getting wet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I my. Probably my favorite part about this park was that it wasn't, um, it definitely wasn't crowded and it definitely wasn't flashy. Um, I, and that's, you know, that's just my opinion of what makes a good park. But I, uh, I know, you know, no one's there to snap a quick picture and get back on the tour bus. Nobody's there to just, um, you know, check it off their list. You because the there's that, nothing because there's nothing to snap a picture of. Right, you know, it's, it's not like not, one thing. Yeah, it's not one uh, formation. Not that, one icon or anything. Yeah, it's just the whole kind of pleasant experience. Yeah, that's how we kept describing it as just pleasant, just very pleasant. Very, it, it did have some really interesting rock formations. Mm-hmm. Guess what they were called? <laughs> the pinnacles. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was cool climbing all around those on the trail and getting real high up, uh, looking over the the Central Valley of California, and also seeing the condors, the California condors. Oh my gosh, that was probably the highlight. Yeah, I, I don't know why I forgot about that one. Yeah, you didn't have it in our notes. Didn't even have that written down. We saw six. California, con- we learned all about the California condors uh, when we were in the Grand Canyon and when we were in Zion. Super endangered. Yep. But R- huge. Freaking look like dinosaur birds and they're terrifying. <laughs> they're so ugly. I think it's a nine foot wingspan. They just look like a gigantic vulture, kind yeah. of. And but then when you look at it next to a turkey vulture. Yeah, a gigantic turkey vulture. You're like, yeah. well, nope, that's, <laughs> that's a condor. That's not a vulture. Yeah. And they're making a comeback, which is awesome. You know, a couple decades ago, maybe even a couple years ago, we might not have seen any. I don't know. Uh, but now they're they're coming back and they're even getting to their old neighborhoods around the Grand Canyon and Arizona and stuff. So good for them. Uh, 
Oh, so it did have some disadvantages too. Definitely. Um, And I think these are sort of what play into it being a little bit um, overshadowed. It... um, it's new. It's very new. And with this kind of comes a, an underdeveloped aspect of it, which some people would definitely like. But I, I definitely appreciate, um, you know, a good visitor center, a good way to learn about the park a little bit before you dive in. Um, definitely maybe some, some ranger programs, ranger programs, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, didn't that have that stuff. Just didn't. Yeah, it just didn't. It just wasn't developed in that way. No visitor center at all, surprisingly. Technically, uh, yeah, it, it basically had a camp store where, with some brochures. <laughs> yeah, with some brochures at the checkout. But you know, it's only two years old, two and a half years old. Um, it, it has room to grow for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think not necessarily a disadvantage in our eyes, but I think to the public is that it it's not flashy. You know, like we said, it doesn't have that one. You know. Um, Old Faithful that you go take a picture of and that's why you're there. Um, it's it's more of a subtle kind of beauty. Definitely. So I'd, I want to go back sometime. Oh, and for sure. Th- I'd, I would too. But I want to go for a different reason because I want to go climbing yeah. there. I, I, they have some amazing rock climbing. So if you're into that, check out Pinnacles. Very accessible, free. You know, it's outdoors. So you're just climbing up these cliffs and these pinnacles uh, and yeah world-class climbing unfortunately elizabeth that's not her cup of tea so we didn't how many fights about climbing did we get into <clears throat> too many <clears throat> but that's m- that's my fault because i would always try and convince you that it's fun and something that you'll fall in love with <laughs> I just which it is it's, <laughs> it's not Anyway, yeah, like any good middle child, you know, Pinnacles is just your (laughs) solid, not dramatic, reliable, nice park. Subtle, yeah, subtle beauty. Yeah. Shall we move on to our park number two that we're talking about today? Oh, yeah. All right, this park is called Biscayne National Park, located in southern Florida, um, just about less than an hour from Miami. Um, located pretty close to only about, what, a half an hour, 20 minutes from Everglades National Park. Yeah. When you're at the visitor center of Biscayne, you can look across the water north and see the huge high rises of Miami. Mm -hmm. So it is not far at all. Not far at all. Um, in, in 2015, Biscayne saw 508,000 visitors compared to... Everglades 1.1 million so it's still a pretty significant you know that's not that's not nothing 500,000 but considering how its proximity to a huge city and considering its proximity to a huge national park and um, I I think that's what causes the that's what made me think of it as being an overshadowed national park for sure and again think of all the other stuff in Florida Disney World yeah no kidding. Everglades, the like beach. we said. Yeah, the, the, All the beach beaches. and the other beach and that one beach. Key West, um, yeah, Miami. So plenty of other options. But we're going to make the case that Biscayne is worth a look. Yeah, especially for people who are visiting now that you can actually go and visit it. When we, were, when we went, um, so I guess we should talk about this first. 
And in our experience, it was definitely overshadowed by like almost every other national park <laughs> because we didn't actually get to make it out to the Keys. So the, the National Park of Biscayne includes a little bit of shore on the mainland and then it and then a ton of water and then these this, this series of what four or five keys small islands that are about seven, seven mile yeah seven miles seven miles off the coast and um i know because we considered kayaking there you considered kayaking yeah. there <laughs> let's be honest the ranger took one look at you and was like nope <laughs> well maybe took one look at me Thought we were crazy people. Yeah, took one look at us. Took and, one no, look at the bay. <laughs> yeah, true. So the the problem for the last couple of years, uh, surprisingly, is that there has been no transportation provided to the Keys, which is the main part of the park. It's the place with all the, you know... It's the heart of yeah, the park. It's where got, you take all the pretty photos. It's got and, the lighthouse. It's got um, the, all the history in, involved in it. And um, it's where you can see a little bit more wildlife than you can when you're so close to uh, civilization. Yeah, they had a concessionaire that operated a ferry for years, and they had the contract with that as the NPS, and then they just stopped. I don't know if they weren't making money or, or what. Or they needed to renegotiate re- uh, the contract or something. Yeah. Somehow they couldn't get it uh, agreed upon. And so we... When we went, lucky for us, they still weren't running, so we didn't get to go out to the Keys. So this is another park where we need to go back to for sure. Yeah, we tried to find any way possible, talk to the rangers for a while, trying to get their suggestions, called some people around the city. Who take volunteer groups. Yeah, who took volunteer groups. No volunteers were going out there for service. Thanksgiving week. Yeah, (laughs) still pretty tough. Um, no private boats going out there. So, and then what we were talking about is, you know, we were very briefly tossing the idea around of, well, we have our inflatable kayak. Could we kayak out there? You know, seven miles isn't impossible in a kayak, but it is impossible when you have the the wind and the waves against you. Yeah, I feel like I should <laughs> tell my parents right now who are listening that this was not an idea we tossed around. <laughs> yeah. This is an idea Cole tossed around by himself over there. Once we understood the reality, <laughs> it was clear that it was not wise. Right. So, yeah, a lot, lot for us to go back and do, but <clears throat> we still had, a, a, I think we had some cool experience there. Definitely. I, I didn't. Yeah, I did not enjoy it. We were able to walk around a little bit. We were able to learn a lot. The video, the visitor center was actually pretty cool, located right on the water um, with a nice view and with a lot of information, a lot of videos too, actually. They had they offered quite a few, I think because they didn't offer concessionaire. <laughs> we also um, kayaked. So we kayaked out to the... Man- through like mangrove. Mangrove, yeah, yeah. Through mangrove forests. And that was kind of tricky to navigate our boat through. But it was actually pretty fun. Yeah, so... Pushing ourselves along. There's a... The whole strip of coast uh, along uh, in this area is park. So we just took our kayak a little bit down the coast. Uh, 
went straight into this inlet and it just was a stream that kind of meandered back through the mangrove and then all of a sudden we were you know in this open area this kind of uh, lagoon or bayou or I don't I don't know all my water <laughs> uh, coast terminology but it, it was a cool yeah it was a cool little adventure it was so hard to kayak back though against yeah. the wind we were like if we were out on the open bay right now we would be dead um, it was really, really windy. And waves, too. Oh, really? Yeah, big waves. Yeah, but yeah. our kayak was a champ. It. Uh, yeah, it did okay. It handled it, for sure. It, <laughs> we just stroked our... Stroke, stroke, stroked our little hearts out. I know. I just... I would count, and I was in the back, so I could take a break and cold <laughs> notice. Yeah. We made it, though. We were We fine. survived. It was also, you know, if you're planning to go, check, think about maybe fishing. There were a bunch of locals fishing off the dock and off the sidewalk. There were Well, and go on the boat tour because now the concessioners back up. I just checked. They offer two tours a day for three hours, three-hour tours. Um, You leave, you go to uh, Boquita. Boquita Key. Boquita Key. And um, it only costs thirty-five dollars a person, so it's not terrible. It's not. Yeah, too, that's great. It's pretty good for three hours. Um, looked so. Pictures are gorgeous. You know, you get to see the, the lighthouse and some of the other features of the keys. And there's good snorkeling there. I would recommend. Oh, I haven't researched this myself, but I would strongly recommend seeing if you can get a ride out there and camp for a day or two because they do have a campground out mm-hmm. there. Uh, so set up that you can. There's a little hiking. Yeah, I'm sure you, you, they you can, can drop do. you off, and then they'll pick you back up on the next day yeah. or two days. Um, do make sure you go during the dry season. We were oh. advised that the mosquitoes are horrible during the wet season, which lasts until beyond when we were there. <laughs> right. It was definitely still wet season, and the usually guy lasts was telling about us, until the end of November or so. Yeah, the guy was telling us if we go out there, we'll, we're gonna get eaten alive, and the person. The volunteer for the NPS who was there on the islands currently just basically ran from one shelter to another all day. Uh, so that was didn't encouraging. Sound like a ton of fun. Uh, but they're snorkeling out there, beautiful snorkeling. And then we were really hoping we could bring our kayak and just kayak in this really gorgeous lagoon section. Gosh, I want to go back so bad. I know. Let's go back, uh, like... Soon. I don't know. Soon. Soon, soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it on the list. Well, because that's one of the benefits of this park is the, um, one of the highlights is that it's so close to Miami. You can just fly to Miami. It's only about, it's less than an hour away. Um, so that's definitely not, it didn't matter for us since we were driving everywhere, but an, a general benefit of this park is that it's close to that, that, uh, big city. Yeah. And we also very had a, helpful, very helpful rangers. Yeah, I was just going to say that. We had very nice rangers that helped us. Um, you know, we didn't we uh, didn't necessarily think they were going to be super helpful because the first thing they said was, we, we were tell, talking about our trip to visiting all the parks, and the one guy was like, ugh, like, you're just visiting the national parks. Aren't you forgetting about all the other NPS sites? And we had, <laughs> we had some rangers have that same... Uh, 
mindset. Yeah, he didn't have that tone, to be it, fair. It was close. But, yeah, you could tell that he... He encountered lots of people who were just going through the checklist of national parks and wanted to make sure we were aware of all of the other, you know, 300 plus sites that right. there are, which... Which we were well aware. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> anyway, the, the but after that, the, the rangers were both, and the volunteers there were very, very helpful. Gave us a bunch of contacts, like we said, and yeah, that was a great experience. We also met, remember, we met one of our most interesting people ever at, oh, yeah. in, the, in the parking lot of Biscayne. Definitely. So it, it, Michael Schwittick, maybe you'll listen to this one day <laughs> uh, because we still keep in touch with him. He's a good Facebook friend. Um, but we met him in the parking lot of Biscayne and he was visiting Miami because he was checking off a couple new roller coasters. He was on a mission to vi- ride all the roller coasters in the U.S. And he was only a few, like a month away or so. And since then, of course, he's finished that mission of visiting, of riding every single roller coaster yeah, in the country. Yeah, and he was, I don't know, under thir- yeah, 30, right? I think under 30. Yeah, yeah, right around there. And the youngest person ever to ride all the roller coasters, which super cool. And... Yeah, he is the director for a theme park called Frontier City in Oklahoma City, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so hey, Michael. Yeah, and <laughs> nice he, to meet you. He, whenever he went to these new places to ride the coasters, he would also check out the national parks, which we loved hearing that. Yeah, he was our person of the parks. Our we did the People of the Parks project, which we talked about in one of the podcasts, also. Um, but yeah, check out his our little bio we did on him and fifty eight other people. That we met along our trip, because that was definitely an, a super important part of our mission. Yeah, the, and that's on the blog, switchbackkids.com, under National Parks tab, People of the Parks. Yep. Yeah, I loved those stories. They were so, we met some awesome people. Um, but, but back anyway, to Biscayne. Back to Biscayne. Yeah. So why is it overshadowed? Why why, um, why do people go to the Everglades instead of Bis- uh, Biscayne Coal? Why do you think? Well, it's kind of hard to see Biscayne. First of all, it's the the you know, real parts of the park are seven miles offshore, so that takes an investment and underwater. Yeah, <laughs> the heart of the park is actually underwater. I think it was ninety percent or something mm-hmm. underwater. So um, obviously, it's just naturally more difficult to comprehend as a visitor. Um, you know, sometimes parks are protected for reasons that are less pretty to the eye. <laughs> because they're underwater. <laughs> yeah, but why would you think that Everglades is so much more known? I don't know. That's... I hate Everglades. <laughs> <laughs> you were not a fan of Everglades. I thought it was no. Everglades is is nice in its own its own special way. <laughs> Very diplomatic of you. <laughs> no, it was. Um, I don't know why it gets so much less attention and notoriety than Everglades. Maybe alligators. Well, also probably because Everglades is so much older. And I really do think, yeah, you're right, it's the alligators. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, the the whole... Uh, That's <laughs> I thought you yeah. That's more likely to happen in this well, game. Well, you were kind of mixing in the the Pink Panther theme song, too, <laughs> in your tone. So, um, anyway. Whatever. 
It's an alligator. That's an alligator coming to chop your leg off and grab your toddler. Oh, yeah. Let's not get into that. Poor, poor Disney. Poor oh, I Disney wasn't World even family. Of that. I was just speaking in general, but I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> um, yes, so, but seriously, what would Everglades be without alligators? That's right. a question to ponder. So, we're, that's about what we wanted to cover for Pinnacles National Park and Everglades, our two, one of our two favorite overshadowed parks. Yeah, and this whole post was overshadowed by talking about our people in the parks <laughs> and, <laughs> and Instagram. And our Jaws theme song. Yeah. So sorry again <laughs> for stomping on you, middle, child, middle children. But yeah, we know some parks are always going to get the flash uh, and others will never be the most Instagrammed, but that works for us. Yeah, we love underdog parks, especially ones that don't get any hype or much hype. Um, we sometimes even enjoy those more than the other ones. And that's because we didn't go in with huge expectations. So that's a big key. You know, if you have low expectations and it turns or out to be normal awesome, expectations, just don't, yeah. don't, don't have crazy high hopes for a place that just don't put too much pressure on your experience because you never know what kind of, um, what kind of overshadowed adventure you are going to have or you're going to f- stumble upon. So thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next week with an interview, our second interview. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or find us on social media at Switchback Kids. And you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. out.